Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Oh, we're still here. That's nice, Dane. I do. Hugh Hefner's widow, Crystal Hefner, says he went deaf in one ear from using too much Viagra before he said... <laughs> no wonder you can't hear me, Ralph. <laughs> no, no wonder. Twist um, his mic up. Twist like a motorbike. No, no. Look at my hand. What? Twist like a motorbike. There we go. There we go. Oh. Give me a level. How's that? How's that come across? Oh, like a professional. This part two of Hump Day with Swanee and Friends, and we're very, very excited because someone's agreed to lower his lofty standards to join us. <laughs> From champion data, Daniel Hoyne, thank you very much for coming in. Thank Ralphie, you. how are you going? wonder where this podcast would, would rank on champion <laughs> data. Pretty low. Pretty low, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jared Healy often uh, uses the quote from Glenn Luff, who started with you guys, yeah? Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, without data, you're just a flog with an opinion. Mm. And Dane uses a phrase which is... Uh, is Nick Natanui still your number one player? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I reckon the answer's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure to be here, Dane. No, we're, so um, we're sort of stepping into uncharted champion data waters, if you like, <laughs> coming in here today. But no, we're looking forward to it. It's um, plenty to talk about. Well, Kingy and Jared are massive believers, and uh, so when I was a hundred years ago, when I was in the footy media, it was it was Eddie Maguire and Dennis Pagan who embraced Ted Hopkins' work. This is in the mid-90s. Yep. And Ted was a bit of a pioneer in, in your field. Mm. But there's always that sort of step between um, the sceptics of trust your eye, and I probably went through this journey with horse racing a bit, and the reality of, yes, there is information there if you want to look for it and, and get it. So how was it from your side of the fence? Yeah, so our, uh, you know, our whole purpose is that you know we're here to tell the story of the game, um, you know, if you like. But we always come at it that there is a combination of Trust your eye, but then also have the evidence behind you to actually sort of you know justify you know the opinions or you know the beliefs that you're looking to actually make um, you know if you like. So a lot of people will have their own thoughts, which is fair enough, and then the data is there to either sort of you know back up that thought or potentially actually have a you know have a look at a way to actually go about um, you know a different philosophy if you like. So there is always that combination of both, and that's what I sort of stress you know a lot about. Yeah, everyone just assumes that we are just absolute numbers 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 and yes we are sort of you know you know are absolutely coming from that background but you have to have that you know that knowledge of the eye as well to be able to actually you know sort of bring the two you know into um into tandem to actually you know inherit and actually you know sort of bring out your actual overall opinion um and thoughts 
And how did you cope with that during your career? As, a, as what, what we would term a natural footballer, Dane? Well, I was probably more of a natural footballer. Sam Mitchell would probably be a natural footballer. Um, oh, my numbers weren't great for me, but <laughs> especially my um, kicking efficiency and stuff like that. That's why I had to get it a lot to do some to have an effective game because um, they always weren't real high. But I think I went okay in champion data stats every now and then. Well, I have done a little bit of research Good. and I thought I have to do a bit of research on um, on Swanee here. So it depends how um, well this comes across before I start <laughs> no, unloading no, no, the barrels. No, no, Let's I'll just I'll see. <laughs> this might be a very easy half an hour I, I if you I, say the right things. I, I can take it both ways. So we'll start with a positive. We're on a bit of a positive path okay. here. But um, no, there's, yeah, there's a lot of you know, sort of numbers that we do look at um, you know, to be able to sort of you know, really analyse player performance. And you know, contested possessions gets talked about a lot. Um, you know, it's been you know, sort of that really real hard and sort of, you know, you know, sort of tough metric, if you like. But there are sort of multiple ways that you can win a contested possession. And the pin-up contested possession for us is the loose ball. So the loose ball is, you know, a, a ball that is in dispute, but that player just wins it a second or two before he's actually under physical pressure. So being able to really identify where the ball's gone, you know, it's sort of faster than his opponent. And then that possession allows you to make a really effective decision. So, so, so fast of mind and fast of foot. Fast of mind, fast of foot. Yeah. And the bloke on the right, <laughs> he was the pin-up. He was the pin-up. You've got him uh, down. Oh, so we'll start on the positive here. Like, well, so yeah, it's going to be easy. So over, over a five-year five period, as I said, you, know, you were the pin-up boy for us. 150 more loose balls you won than any other player in the competition over a five-year period. So uh, End the podcast there. That'll do. That'll be great. I'm worried everything's going to roll down to be here. <laughs> Still couldn't make it in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Have you got a reason why? Can we work out why he's not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Give us that, that data by the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Swanee, I could put forward a good case yeah, for you, thanks, com- com- Thank you. comfortably, but um, yeah. So now there, there were yeah many numbers if you like the yep. kicking efficiency component, as you said, wasn't high. No, no, it wasn't. Um, but the <laughs> way, but the way that we measure kicking isn't by kicking efficiency; it's our kick rating system, and the yeah. kick rating system had you coming out above uh, above AFL oh, average. So, thank you. Well, yeah, um, well, well, I actually really break. like Champion Data. <laughs> <laughs> They've done a great job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thought we'll start positive. Yeah, we'll try and get you on board. So break that down for the average punter. And we are very average on yeah. our general listeners. What does that mean, kicking, rating and fishing? Yeah, so someone like a Swanee, for instance, yeah. and, you know, like a Tim Taranto and a Dusty and these sort of guys, you know, they're, they're under a lot of pressure a lot of the time when they're actually, you know, sort of disposing the ball by foot. So that's where, you know, the kicking efficiency measure actually is a little bit misleading. Try kicking out of a stoppage where you've got three blokes on you. Yeah, if, it exactly. goes to a, if it goes to a bloke who's sitting behind the ball... It's not your fault, it's Ford's fault for not fucking getting a spoil down. <laughs> but then you look at, you know, sort of, you know, you're, you know, like your key defenders that you would have played with, you like. Yeah, you know, a lot of the time they're under no pressure and they're going short 15 metres, 20 metres, yeah. and their kicking efficiency is going to be, you know, 90 to 100%. It's, so, it's, so let's it's, say, it's quite misleading. Let's yeah. say, just hypothetically, a retired <laughs> champion goes and starts playing a lot in suburban and country footy for a little income. He would then go to the half back line and just kick. And improve his kicking efficiency. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. Uh, and the game's also a lot slower, so <laughs> it's, uh, it's easier to hit targets. So I, okay. I actually, actually fucked a few up on the weekend. Actually, so don't don't review my game on the weekend. It was horrific. <laughs> Give us the tape, mate. We'll go yeah. back and we'll, and we'll enhance that for you. So that's the case four. Yeah. So then, yeah, and then 
the kick rating sort of things takes into account how much pressure you're actually under. So, right. you know, someone like a Swanee or a Tim Taranto this year where, you know, he has been criticised, they're under a lot of pressure, so their sort of kick rating or kick and efficiency measure should be around about the 50 to 45, you know, sort of percent mark, if you like. So so that sort of return is what you, you know, is what you should be expecting given how much pressure they're actually under. So it's, um yeah, there's different ways to actually measure how effective a player is by foot. And, and also he was a, a pioneer, if you like, of... Uh, or with Mick about with the ice hockey uh, get in do your stuff rotation and all that. So what what did you see when you were starting to measure that? Well, I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to say this, but so you know we're doing a bit of work with Bucks this year, yeah. and, I, and I hit him up saying I'm coming on the podcast here. Can you yeah. just give us anything with Swanee? And he said, Oh mate, he goes, Where do you want me to start? <laughs> anyway, anyway, and he did, and he did, he did mention to me that in 2007, um, towards the back end of the year, you played against Sydney. And Sydney were going to be a really hard one-on-one and they were going to go hard on you, for, you know, mm. sort of, you know, from a tagging perspective. And then, and Mick, and was it David Butterford was your yeah, fitness yeah. sort of coach then? Had, you know, you know, they came up with a strategy to, okay, well, we're sort of, you know, really going to throw it back on them. We're just going to rotate Swanee just heavily yeah. and we're just going to just throw them around and, and, you know, it completely lost them. And then from that stage on, that's when Collingwood sort of, you know, just instigated this high rotation policy that our interchange operators were just absolutely <laughs> stuffed. So, some would say we ruin football because <laughs> the, apparently AFL didn't like the aesthetics of people running off and off and on. I'd probably give you a lot more work oh, to do. Oh, mate, gave us grief. Yeah, mate, we're just sitting there and just doing 30, 40 rotations and, and, you know, it's the easiest job in the world. And all of a sudden the 2007 final series comes along. It's like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, we're about 160 or oh, something. Oh, mate, we're getting about 100. And then 2010 when you win the flags, about 150. 106 is the world's yeah. hardest job on the back, on the back of you just yeah. trying to actually to get you on and off the ground yeah. to actually you know sort of lose your opponent so thanks for that no no worries I was the most rotated bloke in, in the league for like three years yeah and and th- what what how was that sold to you well sold to me like basically like that is a good way to break a tag keep you fresh and they obviously created it to my running strength so my running strength is not your Penelbury or your side bottom, or like a Robert Harvey who could run all day basically at the same speed and wear someone down. And by the end of the game, the bike he was playing on was fucked and he could just dominate. That wasn't me. My yeah. was like, I can, you know, if I, if I could see, remember, if I could see, he goes, run to that cone, you can get a 20 second break. Well, I want to be first there so I can get a break quicker than anyone else. <laughs> yeah. But if I run for seven minutes, I'd be like, mentally, I'd say, this fucking sucks. So it was my pace was like short, sharp, get on. Do my thing for five, six, seven minutes, then have a two-minute break, and I could recover. I guess maybe quicker than others. So that they decided, well, what we need if we can keep him running like that at the end of the game, you know, that'll be a good way. And it also is a way to break a tag and keep fresh legs in there. So you got six or seven blokes who are all fresh and using their speed and stuff like that in a game, and then the opposition have got three or four. Yep. So by the end of the game, you've got blokes who are obviously not. Some super fresh, but pretty fresh on the blokes who have been playing in there the whole day, and you just you just wear them down, and you obviously just run over the top of them. So that's basically what it was. And it got sold to me, um, and I didn't really, you know, when you're a good player or when you're one of the prime players, no one wants to come off. Like mm. I started my year, I started it was like you started on the bench. I I'd come on for bucks at the 23 minute mark. I'd play seven minutes, quarter to go, then I go back to the bench. Yeah. So I was like, fuck that. What do I want to go to the bench <laughs> for? Like, and you know, without people, you're thinking, well. Mate, I'm a chance to win best and fairest and all Australians and like Brownlows. Like, if I'm off the, if I'm on the bench, I can't get I the can't four get when I'm on the bench. <laughs> so, um, that and I was at the start. I was like, no, 
like I don't really agree to it, but then it just it just worked, yeah. and yeah, so it worked, so it stuck. It it is interesting now though because you know. If you ever look at what a lot of the best players in the competition are doing that have that profile, a lot of them are doing what you were doing 10, 15 years ago. So, you know, Dangerfield last year often started, you know, the game on the bench and then, you know, would just go on for five minutes, come off. And this year, at, you know, at the start of every game, he's on, but then he's off three minutes in yeah. and then he's just constantly going on. Paul Adelaide do that with Zach Butters. Yep. Just go on for burst, come off, freshen up, go back on for a burst sort of thing. So it, it, it is interesting, yeah. you know, sort of, you know, sort of where that's actually gone over the last, you know, you know sort of just 10 so or 15 yeah, so years. It depends on the uh, – player like Dangerfield is a power player. Yeah. Like someone like Scott Penner, he doesn't need to come off. He can mm. – he won't get slower. No, he can't get. Any, he can't get any slower as the day gets longer. Yeah, so all so it just depends on on your midfield. So you, you need those explosive plays. You need them to keep them fresh because at the end of the game, you know what their strengths are. If they don't have them anymore, they're they're not rendered useless. But they certainly won't be as um, you know, influential at the end of a game if they're knackered by the end of it and they've got too much lactic build up and they can't run away from people when that's their strength. Then you know there's no point being out there. All right. So you, you've you've Build him up, just what? yeah. Bring did me he, back a bit. He, did he have any weaknesses? Bring me back a bit. Well, yeah, we brought in our pressure, our pressure ratings from twenty ten, from twenty ten oh, onwards, and um, this is not bringing me back. I have no problem <laughs> saying <laughs> I wasn't good at pressure. That didn't bother me at all. Yeah, I and mean, what is it? The first six years, and yeah, when did you win a brand like ten or eleven? Eleven. Oh, well, well, I should have won a ten, and eleven and twelve, but no, eleven, I won it. Yeah. What I ask? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, so all the Brownlow medalists, bar you know, bar two in the first six years of our pressure rating sort of systems, you know, sat in the top fifty of the pressure players in the yeah. conference. fifty. What are they? They're so, kidding so themselves. It's not a high rating, but yep. just you know, sort of top fifty. Can I guess the other one? Where is Dave? Yeah. Who's the other one? So, so what is it between? It when, when were you six years? So twenty ten to twenty fifteen. So we had six. So we had Mitchell. We had yourself. We had Judd. Oh, I want to say Mitchell was great. Kotcher. <laughs> no, he was. He was in there. He was What's in he there. Matty Prittis. Matty Prittis was in there. Uh, Ablett. You're in good hands. No, Gazza was in there. Was he? Yeah, Gazza oh, was well, in I there. I think I mean he left. Judd. <laughs> Chris Judd. Judd. Chris Judd. So Chris Judd and yourself are the only two Brownlow medalists in the first year, six years of the uh, pressure rating system well, that I'll, sat outside I'll, that I'll group. Count so it's hard when you got the ball to put pressure on. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I would say. <laughs> I like that. But I reckon Gazza, I reckon Gazza won a no, bit of all. Let's stop fucking worrying about Gazza. <laughs> Gazza's not Gazza's podcast. Yeah, no, he, he got it a lot, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So... Um, just a hypothetical. I got a message from a mate uh, last night uh, called Dane, who was a bit mystified by Jack Sinclair's your number one player. Mm. So not just about Jack Sinclair, but about the broader. Yeah. And you said the eye test and stuff. Surely yeah. you can look at the footy and say, <laughs> and he's a very good player. Be all Australian, like let, he ain't the best player in the league. That's no, just that's just a fact. No, and that's uh, no, and that's a fair that's a fair <laughs> debate. That's a yeah. fair debate. And this is where this is where you know the eye test and. And the data sort of, you know, sort of come in line. You know, like we did our all Australian team last night on radio, and we had Sam Sukowski. Yeah, no, I've got that too. Sam, I, I literally don't know who that is. <laughs> Number thirty-nine for Fremantle. He goes okay. A little small forward. He, he little might go okay. He doesn't go well enough to be in the top twenty-two at <laughs> so the end of the season. Let me tell you. So he's not going to be. So he's not going to be in the all Australian. Ta- and fair enough. Yeah, but he's I, in I, yours. I, I, I get that. Yeah. Right? I, I, I wouldn't have him in. In you know. In my in yours, Australian yeah. team, but we've got to go off what the data's telling us, and the data's telling us that he's had a really good year. What position is he play? 
a little small forward, forward sort of yeah. thing. So that's where I'll, I'll be looking at it from you know, a Fremantle side of thing, a player management side of thing, and an opposition club going, okay, well, yeah, we're not seeing him as all Australian level, but clearly he's going, okay, let's actually dive into him a little bit more to actually see why he's actually going so well off the numbers, if you yeah. like. Getting back to the Jack Sinclair um, point as well. So so what we're sort of trying to do, and it is, and yeah, I'm not sure if you agree or not with this, Dane, as well, it's getting harder and harder to actually you know, analyse players by one position. Yeah, so, we're, so we're seeing, you know, you know, if you use the Nick Dacos example, we're seeing him play across half-back flank for the first you know, sort of 10 weeks of the year. Now he's played you know, permanent midfield for yeah. the last 10 weeks of the year. We have to give him one position, if you like. And it's sort of a little why do, bit... Why do you have to do that? That's just how everything works in the back end. Okay. It's far smarter people than <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, far no. smarter than people than me. Sort of, um, but we have to give them one position, so we have to give them their overall primary position, which sort of then, you know, we're benchmarking Nick Dacos against Paddy Cripps, if you like. Paddy Cripps is playing 100% midfield time. Nick Dacos this year has spent, you know, sort of 50% <laughs> midfield time. A little bit misleading. What we're trying to do now is remove that element and just look mm. at how many minutes they play down back how many minutes did they play in the midfield and how did they go in each position based against mm. AFL average expectation in each position, if you like. So oh, is that like expected scores? A little bit, a little okay. bit, a little yeah. bit, yeah. a little okay. bit. Park expected scores, because I want to ask you about that to break okay. it down for people. So basically yeah. what we're trying to get to is like, you know, if you're playing as a defender, right, yep. and, you, and, you average, and you get 20 disposals, that's a pretty good game for a defender. But if you get 20 disposals as a midfielder, you go, well, that's a pretty poor game. Yeah. as a midfielder. So that's what we're sort of trying to get to, that we're trying to level everything up based on where you've actually But our possessions are, so if you kick the ball out 15 times and you have 20 possessions, you've basically had five. So is that... Yeah, it's a bit... It's a so bit is cheap. that misleading or do you, can you, is your back end figure that out? Yeah, so our, our rating system is based on the AFL player ratings, which just measures impact on matches. Yeah. It measures how you win the ball, where on the ground you win the ball and then what you do with the ball. Yeah. So those cheap kick-ins... You don't worry don't about, about it about with, it, yeah. the, with the AFL player ratings because yeah, yeah. you're not really impacting the game, if yeah. you like. So that would be the difference between, say, the fantasy-type players yeah. who, who loved this match. Yeah, no, that's, that's why I played. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was my strength. Yeah. I was the first fantasy <laughs> pick, as they say, yeah. But also the data at the background that also says why Dane was elite, but others, then there's the, the ones who get through the system. You're actually saying, no, no, this bloke... Is important. Yeah, correct. So that's what we're measuring. All, all we're trying to measure is the impact that you have on matches. There'll be some games like, you know, for instance, you know, like Dusty this year, you know, like Dusty's season this year has been off the charts, really. And I don't in, think... In what way? And I don't think he's had the recognition that he deserves. No, that's, what, that's what I mean. So, that's like, he, he's, playing, he's playing in a position where he's spending 85% of his time outside of the midfield and he's averaging 24 disposals a game, which we've never seen anyone on record do that before by spending 80, 85% or more. Records go back to, roughly? Uh, 15 years. Fantastic. So we haven't seen anyone do that before. His ability to be able to impact the game from a score, <laughs> assist, um, you know, sort of um, area, and then a score involvement area is top five in the competition. So he his ability to be able to impact it, and this is you know, sort of my theory with Dusty and, and you know, a lot of the greats, is that we're comparing, or people are comparing Dusty to Dusty, Yep, mm-hmm. and they're not comparing Dusty to the competition. Yeah. If you compare Dusty to the competition, Dusty is a walk-up All-Australian selection this year. But yep. he probably won't. But he probably won't because yeah. it is so hard for people to actually remove Dusty's previous season's performances <laughs> yeah. and just purely look at what he's done in 2023. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pure as, uh, and I get it. I appreciate that it's so hard. But if you just did that, you're looking to go, and yeah. And then I heard Andrew McGuelter on Sunday night just go, he's had a ridiculous season where he has to be All-Australian. Yep. 
but I, I've got the feeling that he won't be all Australian. So how does and on these men how did Christian Petrarca miss the top ten, for instance? He was eleventh. He, he, he was eleventh. <laughs> That's how he missed. He was eleventh. He was eleventh. There was about seventy players that were eleventh. But in actual fact. Like when we do our stupid top ten list on whatever fucking topic, and so I say, but what about such and such? We okay, but who do you take out? And then, yeah. so what? What you're actually doing? Well, there's the measurement. So, yeah. yeah. So the, they're somewhere in the ranking. Yeah, they are. So yeah, so we had um, you know Christian Petraka at eleventh, and then Toby Green at twelfth. Yeah. So yeah, so they're probably the two that were the biggest yeah, players. Sort of yeah. over, overlooked. <laughs> yeah, and then you go to the um, you know to the eye test as well, and I'll be yeah. sitting there going, well, I'm probably picking Toby Green if not one, two, or three. Yep. Yeah, in that order. Yep. Yes. Um, so that's where, you know, again, you've got to mirror the two of them up to actually, you know, come together to actually put, you know, a, a, um, yeah, a list. Here's one for you. How does Josh Dacos not make your All-Australian team? Good question. I um, I was really hoping when I was putting it together yesterday that he was because me and the <laughs> Collingwood faithful don't really get along at the moment. But um, uh, then, I, then I saw it and I'm like, oh, no. Because he, he, no, he would – he's probably one of the five locks, you think, for him and Gordon probably yep. everyone's – Wingman, yep. what is he, is he? And he's obviously a lovely kick, I would imagine. So yeah, what? so he, so yeah, so Gordon was clearly the number one rated yeah. winger um, in the competition, and then Mason Wood and Josh Dacos were just inches apart yep. in terms of, um, yeah, in terms of who got in based on the rating system, if you like. So the separating factor was, you know, that Josh huh. uses the ball better than what Mason Wood does. Mason Wood. Um, you know, sort of impacts the game more from his ball winning perspective than what Josh does. The only separating factor, and it was marginal, is just their defensive actions. There was just a slight, slight favour to Mason Wood mm-hmm. than, than what there was Josh Dacos. But again, sort of, you know, if, if I'm looking at that team and I'm and I'm picking Josh Dacos, you go, no, no, no problem. That that's um, that's fine. So it's well known the Brownlow is basically a midfielders award to dumb mm. it, dumb it down a bit. And but earlier this year was it? Yeah, that's right, Dale. Thomas said that Nick Dacos is the best player in the league. And you said, come on, please, Jeremy Cameron, when he was in that form, is. Yeah. Where, where, where do you think, from a numbers point of view, the reality is between the importance of a gun forward who wins games and the midfielder who keeps getting it down there? Oh, I think, um, yeah, I think you've got to measure the impact of both. Um, of course. And, and, but I think, I think at the end of the day, I, I mean, I, you know, I get that you know, people want to see you know different positions recognised, if you like, in the individual awards. But in the, the day, like this final series that's coming up, like if you know, and you go to Collingwood Melbourne Thursday night, if Collingwood's midfield dominate, Collingwood are going to win. Yes. And if mid- and if Melbourne's midfield dominate, Melbourne are going to win. Yep. The game could almost just be as simple as that. Mm-hmm. That, that that if your midfield doesn't perform to a high level, you know, against the best and throughout a whole season, the chances of you having success are pretty slim. So you know. Yeah, so as good as what Jer- and Jeremy Cameron was unbelievable in the first Early, eight yeah. weeks of the year, um, yeah, and you could easily mount a case as him being the best player in in the competition. But I think overall, mm. you know, constantly that's why we see the midfielders up so highly is because that they're the ones that have the first opportunity to influence the mm. game and to de- and to determine which way the game's going to go for your team. So I, I get it, and I can um, and I can understand the conversation. But I'm taking a gun mid. First yeah. and foremost, in a final series, I mean, if if I look at so it, so you take him over like a Charlie Kerner, who you take Petrarca or Nick Dacos, he was in full flight over Charlie Kerner, for instance, in this final series. I, I would, yeah, yeah, no, I I, I would, I would, I only, yeah, yeah. So Charlie's the exception because Charlie's just unbelievable in terms of what he's doing. But I, I am still going to go the midfielder. I mean, I look at it from a Collingwood perspective. I know Nick's going to miss the first final, but say for instance, you know, sort of. 
Jordan Degawi, for instance. Yeah, yeah, his finals record is unbelievable. If he goes bananas for three weeks, yeah. good luck. Conley yeah. probably going to win the flag. Yeah. Like that's where that's yeah you know, that's where I'm sort of looking at. Charlie goes bananas, and you go okay. Well, Charlie's going to be every chance. But then you know, if Paddy Cripps goes bananas for you know on Friday night against Sydney, you go well, probably Carlton are going to win. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas. dot com slash acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. So I, I use a phrase and t- tell me where it's right or wrong or whatever. But the, the the most and it backs up what Dane says about dealing with pressure up forward. The, the most underrated part of footy. Is actually kicking the goal. <laughs> yeah. Most overrated is everything else. Yeah, yeah. But you still got to measure it. So, yeah. so from your perspective, where, where do you see that? Because unless you nail the goal, it doesn't matter how good Nick Dacos or Christian Petrarca was getting the ball there. The ball, mm. the goal has to be nailed. Uh, accuracy is everything, really. Yeah. I mean, accuracy so often in home and away, but more so in finals over, over time has has either won a final or lost a final. I yes. mean, like you look at these final series coming up and these matches coming up, they're so close and they're so tight between the opponents coming up that it could be as simple as accuracy can determine it. You know, yep. Brisbane's, Brisbane's finals record, and everyone will go on about Brisbane's final record, you know, has been pretty poor. Accuracy has killed them yes. in, in finals. It's, it, it's really hurt them, um, you know, in finals. So that's, yeah, so that's where, you know, if you look, it, it's, it's so basic, it's so simple, but we so often overlook it, and it's just so, it's just so important. So we, we get a lot of these things from different sports, which leads to expected score. Yeah, Firstly, dumb it down for the people who don't understand expected score and what it actually means. Yeah, so getting back to the accuracy side of things, given how important it is and just, you know, the fact that it does win and lose a lot of games, we were sort of sitting here, you know, 10, 15 years ago going, well, we, you know, we have to do a, you know, a bigger piece and a bigger deep dive on accuracy just to be able to sort of really break down overall performance, if you like. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it was more sort of, you know, and it still is starting from a club perspective. So, so often I would have thought as, as a coaching group, your, your role as a, as a, you know, as a coaching group is to develop a system where, you know, you're, you know, you've been able to actually generate the shots at goal, yep. if you like. And then it's over to Charlie Curnow to kick it. And then it's over to Harry Mackay to kick it. And then it's over to Taylor Walker to kick it. And you, as a coach in the coaching box, have really no influence whether or not Charlie's going to kick that goal or not. But you do have influence of you know whether or not they're actually going to be able to generate enough shots through your ball movement game, your defence, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. So then you know we sort of basically simplified it to actually go back over time and every single shot at goal and how much pressure they're actually under and where they're taking it from how often has that goal been kicked? So say, for instance, in real simple terms, if Charlie Curdo takes a mark next Friday night and it's 25 metres out straight in front of goal, based on the last 10, 15 years' worth of data, you should be kicking that goal 75% of the time. 
So 75%, which is, you know, what is that, three out of four times, that equates to 4.5 points out of six, yep. if you like. So 75% of six points. So he's meant to be getting 4.5 points from that kick, if you like. So if, if he kicks that goal, yep. he's kicked 1.5 um, above um, yeah, um, expectation. If yep. he kicks the behind, he's kicked 3.5 so the other Charlie from Brisbane, when he kicks one out of his backside, how does that get measured? So then, if he kicks a goal on the boundary line from fifty meters out, and that and and the chances of kicking that goal were twenty percent, if yep. you like, which is you know just rough measures, you know AFL average is is one point. He kicks the goal. Brisbane have actually kicked five points above expectation based on that shot at goal. If he kicks the one behind, that's what that's what was actually expected. Charlie, yes. don't worry about that shot. That's fine. So then, at the end of the game, yep, what's the importance of it? So the end of the game, it's more from um, you know, a coaching tool to be able to actually strip back the accuracy component and just go, okay, so how did our actual overall system work? Did we actually generate easy enough shots at goal or did we actually generate hard enough shots at goal that we can look at it and you go, okay. So I, 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 reference, I reference Chris Scott against um, Collingwood in the 2019 final where Collingwood beat them yep. uh, by 15 points or 10 points, whatever it might have been. And he referenced that to, um, you know, sort of to his playing group during the week when everyone was sort of really down on Geelong, you know, you know another's finals loss and whatever. He referenced the expected scores to that group all week and said, we actually did a lot right here. We actually generated easier shots at goal than what Collingwood did. We just didn't take our opportunities. Yes. If we take our opportunities again, based on what we've done this year, we'll be okay, boys. We'll be okay. And then, you know, they came out the week after and beat West Coast by five goals, whatever it was, just to sell that message to the playing group. Don't get too down about this performance. We were actually okay, despite you know, sort of you know, the loss that that they had. I just wonder, from a psychological point of view, I've got no idea here. I'm just observing, unlike Dave who's been there, um, where the fine line is then between giving the coaching group an out for forwards who don't nail the goal, yep. but actually, but then conversely saying, well, no, we're playing properly. We're just not yeah. kicking because it's it, if in golf you, you can't win a tournament if you can't putt. Yeah, no, hundred percent, and 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 it sort of works both ways too, Ralphie. Because look, you know, Adam Simpson and West Coast, they were always super accurate in front of goal, so they were always coming up really high on expected scores, and people were looking at going, well, you know, are they kicking out of their ass? Is that why they're actually yep. winning? And Adam Simpson would come to us, which is absolutely a fair point. And he goes, no, I get where I get where the story is coming from, but we've actually got really accurate kicks for goal. So we're actually happy to take difficult shots. Yes. So we're actually happy for Josh Kennedy to take him and Jack Darling to take him and Jamie Cripps to take him and Liam Ryan to take him because they're all accurate, Yeah. which is fair enough. So, so, you know, so they played to their strengths of having really accurate players in front of goal where their sort of you know, expected scores, if you like, were a little bit misleading you know, on, on the positive so you'd have expected score teammates that you would expect them to kick and not to kick. But, I mean, yeah, at the moment, Jamie Elliott's probably the, the one, Clark, isn't he? Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he, misses, he kicks the big ones that are very important, Jamie. Mm. We, I said, he's Collingwood's highest-rated player, didn't you say? Yeah, he, over the last six weeks, he's the he's highest-rated player um, at the moment. So he's he's going extremely well, you know, you know, in terms of his target um, return inside Ford 50 and his ability to be able to mark it. But then more importantly, the rating system that we have significantly rewards great accuracy yep. and significantly punishes you for poor accuracy. Getting back to the story that we told, that yes. you know, it so often determines the game, so that's what the rating system takes into account. If you have a really accurate... So that's where Mason Cox... I get, I would have Mason Cox as an elite player four or five years ago that we had, right? But he came out as an elite because he was really accurate in front of goal. Right. So if you can understand the rating system, you go, well, that's why. But 
He's not an elite key forward, but that's why he came out so high because he was so accurate in front of goal. Sometimes fans mm. pick pick something that the broader conversation doesn't. And but the D's conversation was we we inaccurate mid year. Mm. Port Adelaide in in a monsoon, Geelong in a <laughs> pissing rain, Alice Springs were was unbelievably bad conditions. Yep. And then they played under the roof at St Kilda and then I hear the conversation, oh, it looks like they've straightened themselves up. Well, well yeah, all of a sudden they play in decent conditions. I uh, couldn't agree more with you. I, mean, yeah, I think I was saying during that time, yeah, you just didn't need to panic about Melbourne's offence yeah. during that period. They were doing a lot right. That's where the expected score sort of comes back to it. And that's where Simon Goodwood, yeah, he would have been referencing to his group. The expected scores, expected scores in bring weather into account. Like if it's fucking horrific and he's 20, Charlie Kerno is 25 minutes out directly in front, but there's a gale wind going the other way. No, nah, nah, it doesn't take that into luck. account. But you would assume, you know, sort of with wet conditions that, you know, in general play, a lot of the shots that you're going to be having are going to be under, you know, sort of yeah. significant pressure. Point, yeah. and, that's, and that's where the expected scores comes into account. All set shots, you know, forget about, you know, if it's blowing a 15k gale or whatever yeah. it might be. It's, you know, just forget about that. But if, you know, in general play, if you're under enormous pressure, which, you know, in the wet, you're going to be under yeah. enormous pressure a lot of the time. Yep. That's where the expected scores sort of comes into it. So they were doing a lot right, Melbourne. And it was, it was actually quite funny because the first nine weeks of the year where they're averaging 110 points a game, they were, you know, they were absolutely freakishly accurate, yes. Melbourne, in the first nine weeks of the year. Then they've lost it and now they've actually got it back reasonably well over, over the last seven or eight weeks. So um, a lot of what Melbourne has done offensively, Ralphie, which you might be happy, is so similar to 2021. So similar in terms of just the peaks and the troughs of yes. their season. Do you share me data to predict winners? Like, for, if so, if happened to be a gambling man. <laughs> like, can, yeah, yeah, it, it took you 30 minutes like, to get there, Dane. I would say, is it, do you put it into, can you put it in your computers and say, all right, well, average Collingwood would win seven times out of ten against Melbourne because of this data, this data, that data, or is it just... We're, trying to, we're trying to get to that. Um, yeah, we're sort of trying to get to that, but based off our you know, off our numbers at the moment, I mean, if, I, you know, if I was sitting down having a beer with you and I could look at it and go, okay, well, based off our numbers, I'm probably going to be going Collingwood, you know, probably six times out of ten yeah. because of X, Y, and Z, yeah. if you like. Um, but a lot of our, you know, a lot of our stuff, and it's sort of, you know, really sort of, you know, deep diving, if you like, but it also just comes back to, well, we're going to assume a lot of things. Yeah. And you got you got no idea. So, you know, if we sit down next Thursday night at Collingwood Melbourne and you see that Collingwood are just completely off for whatever reason it might be or Melbourne might be completely off, the numbers have, you know, you know sort of we can't take that sort of um, into consideration at all. So a lot of our stuff is based on, well, both teams are going to bring equal effort. Okay. Yep. If that happens, well, then this is what probably could happen. Um, and can you separate your, yourself from the, the data? Like, who would you think the best player in the league is? Like, without... Without looking at the data, like the eye test, could you would yours be so much different to the ten you've got there? Or uh, no, it wouldn't be too. It wouldn't be too much. I mean, I, I'd have Bont and Pally as yeah. the best player in the competition. Um, you know, I'd have Jack Sinclair. You know, probably top ten. Yeah, um, and then I'll probably have Nick Dacos um, at, at number two. Yeah, um, yeah, in the, and and then probably Petraka at number three. Yeah, um, if you like. So yeah, you. So yeah, you know, we have to do a, you know a top ten and yeah. A, yeah and you know all the lists that anyone does it just creates that <laughs> much content and my Twitter feed just goes banana. So <laughs> it's just yeah, well, I, I get it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. As I yeah as I was saying at the start, you've got to take the data into um, you know into consideration and then take the eye test in consideration yeah. and then you know sort of try and marry the two up. But one thing I noticed with you, but also a couple other punting type data people, mm. uh, 
all identified that Collingwood just weren't the dominant side that the latter position was saying, and probably the betting markets too, as far as the, fight, uh, the <coughs> premiership market. Mm. What did you see in them that made you think, well, hang on, they're, 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 they're on top because they are on top, they've won the most games, but they're not necessarily dominant? Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of our stuff, and, and the game sort of has changed a little bit over the last 10, 15 years, but it hasn't changed too much. Like, you know, if I go back to, um, you know, the game significantly changed in 08, 09 and 10. It changed off the back of what Clarkson did with the Clarko cluster in 08, then what Ross Lyon did in 2009 with St Kilda with that, uh, you know, immense frontal pressure in 2009, and then off what you guys did in 2010 with that mixed box, I think it was called, just that unbelievable swarm and forward half game and then everyone just jumped on the back of that. Yep. So you have to score off the back of your forward half work, just keep the ball locked in your forward half. That's where the sort of, you know, the game changed and it hasn't really changed too much, you know, o- over time. So what Collingwood were doing, this is what I was just, you know, trying to get across is that, you know, from about round 10 onwards, they were they were still so dangerous in terms of what they were doing, but they were going against the trend of what we've seen over the last 15 years in terms of what's been successful. A lot of their stuff, and if you just picture Collingwood, Collingwood at their best is just so hard to stop. It's just this unbelievable ball movement game from the back half where you just see them just absolutely explode and take off, and you're like, "How the hell are you? Get, are you absolutely going to stop?" Sorry this? to butt in, but it's 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 on your point. So I, I watch as a just a nuffy supporter, and I see like a Noble or one or Quainer kick the ball out, and I thought no other team in the league would allow their players to do that. Mm. So they, they, they embrace mistakes, and I hear that conversation. So what does that actually mean to further your point? So, yeah, so Richmond, yeah, so Richmond sort of really started this, I think, in, mm-hmm. 2006, you know, um, in 2017, and you know, embracing imperfection. Right. So be prepared to make mistakes. Be prepared for the game to be chaotic. And that's fine. We can live with chaos. Don't freeze up and don't and, and and don't panic about making a bad skill error or whatever it might be. Just continue to back yourself. And not, you know, I remember Anzac Day when Braden Maynard had that horrendous kick in that yeah. just went straight to Essendon and play. And he started laughing. Yeah. And Craig McRae started laughing. He was like, "Well, that's perfect. That's exactly what you want. Just don't worry about it. Move on." Yeah. And that's what and that's what Collingwood embrace. And then the challenge for me, that you know, when I was looking at Collingwood's numbers, I was like, "This ball movement game is just freakishly unbelievable." But when it comes up against the best defensive teams in the competition that are trying to lock the ball in their forward half, it's going to be fascinating to see how that actually comes up. So, you know, my Collingwood, my Collingwood faithful don't like me. Every time, but every time I said it, I said they are the best team in the competition, but they're just not as, as clear favourite as, yes. what, as what everyone else So thought. like the Cats last year, these... Yeah, the off, off, the back of, off the back of what they were actually doing. So, you know, like a Brisbane or a Melbourne who are so strong defensively, it's going to be fascinating to see on Thursday night whether or not Collingwood can get through with this unbelievable ball movement or not. And if they can, well, you know, good luck to them. Um, but that's, yeah, so that's where we're sort of, you know, sort of coming from with Collingwood these that they were... And then, you know, their contest work was starting to slowly drop off. Um, if you like, and it has really dropped off up until Friday night um, as well. So it's just, yeah, I, I could, yeah, you can go on, you can go on radio and you could be boring as all hell and just go, yeah, no, Collingwood are good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, everyone knows, everyone knows Collingwood are good. That's yeah. fine, everyone knows Collingwood are good. Well, yeah, but, you know, you've got to be a little bit different and bring a little bit different 100%. to the table. So, so when your data, who do you expect to be in the grand final? I, uh, to, what does champion data expect to the grand finalists well, to be? To me, it's, I think it's. I'll, I'll be shocked if it's not one of Melbourne, Collingwood, or Brisbane. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think those three are a fair way clear of everyone else. Um, that's why. That's why that Thursday night game. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just everything. I think whoever wins that game wins the flag because they've yeah. got to play 
Brisbane on the MCG. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the Brisbane the Brisbane MCG stuff. I'm not as <laughs> yeah. I'm not as big on that as what as what a lot of people. For what are. reason? I'm pretty big on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I look at I look at what they did against Melbourne in round 18, and Melbourne are the best defensive team in the competition. And then for a 75 minute period, um, you know, sort of Brisbane put on 100 points against yes. them on the MCG and looked as slick as what Collingwood did at the G. They won a final at the G last year against Melbourne. They lost to Richmond at the G last year, but they were seven goals in front. So it's not as if, yeah, so not as if that they've been absolutely horrendous at the G. They are bad against Hawthorne this year, but I think their record is a little bit misleading and it's a bit of, I call it a little bit of stats abuse. People go back, you know, they've won, what is it, one game out of their last 14. Well, they'll shit. Yeah. From thirteen to to eighteen, nineteen. Well, they started on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, no, but that, so we're coming at it from the same angle that uh, and I often say this in horse racing, stats will is a really good way of losing money. Yeah, and the thing is with horse racing, in in, in the only thing that interests me, they're, they're very nice to pat and all that, but it is. You, you you test your theories pretty well if you lose money. <laughs> so, so you go, no, I don't want that. So. Often, oh, this horse hasn't won for 400 days. Yeah, but it's come second to fucking hate Black Caviar three times. Yep. So, you know, you, you've got to actually just say, do the numbers back up a stat because a stat is static. Yeah, and, and it is interesting, Ralphie, too. Like, yeah, the, the numbers, you can take it in any way and you can slice it in any way that you want to to suit the narrative that you're actually trying to get across. <laughs> well, so you, can, you, can mani- <laughs> you can manipulate it however you want to. So you've got to be really careful in that situation or, you know, creative, if you yeah. like, in some situations as well. Now, now, I'm praying you're on the same page and this hasn't come from you, but I see it and it just does my self-described Asperger's head in. Tell me quarters one isn't a thing. No, no I, I, I honestly, I had, I honestly couldn't tell you who's won quarters. Yeah, quarters this year. Thank I, you. I, I, yeah. I don't. I, I, I couldn't tell you to be honest because yeah. it tends to it's be there. But I I it's, the whole game's probably important. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I very rarely look at. Yeah, yeah, I very rarely look <laughs> at it. I, I've never seen you associated you. with quarters one because I like beauty because like Winks only won five quarters when winning. Four Cox plates. It's yeah. about the whole entire game. Yeah, and that's about 120 minutes. No, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, got, I yeah, couldn't, couldn't tell you, Ralphie. Uh, just quickly, I think because we're pressed for time, just uh, one that I wanted to personally ask you about, the importance of adjusting your thinking from your end. And by that, I've heard when uh, Damien Hardwick stepped down, he said he made us change the way we think mm. because you brought in new metrics just because you're going, well, hang on, our metrics aren't necessarily working mm. compared to what he's doing because what he's doing is working. And maybe yeah. Craig McRae was early doors with Collingwood was making the number, you know, I was saying to Dane at the time, if 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 uh, a team is winning against all the numbers, well, maybe the numbers <laughs> need yeah, to be yeah, looking yeah. at. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you co- and you constantly got to be open to the fact that, you know, the season changes week after week yes. after week. And you hear a lot of coaches talk about, you know, that game styles and game plans often change over a four, five, six-week period. So you're constantly adjusting your thinking based off what the numbers are actually sort of telling you. So what were the metrics like. with Dimmer that you brought in? So we – so, yeah, so Hardwick changed the whole game in terms of he didn't want to prioritise the stoppage and clearance game. He wanted to prioritise the turnover and transition game. So he didn't – he yeah, so he wasn't too fussed about actually winning clearance. They were – you know, they were a terrible – Has Sean Brigg in the ruck in the granny. Oh, terrible. <laughs> yeah. He didn't prioritise it. So that was 17th and 18th in, in clearance in 17, 18, 19. Their contested possession numbers were 12th, 13th, 14th. But everything outside of the clearance situation, that's where we had to bring in different measures to be able to actually start analysing what Richmond were doing. Yes. Because we started looking at it going, geez, what's actually happening here? Where, how can you be winning, you know, sort of game after game by, you know, sort of ranking 15th, 16th, 17th in this area 
And then we broke down the game into what's happening at stoppage and what's happening outside of stoppage. And then it was like, ah. So they're 16th, 17th and 18th at stoppage and then they're 1, 2 and 3 outside of stoppage. Ah, that's the game that they're prioritising. That's what yep. they wanted. Then you go and watch a Richmond game. You're like, yeah, okay, well, Nick Vlostin is set up behind the balls to lose. They're actually outnumbered at stoppage. Oh, they're actually happy mm. with that because they'll lose that clearance. Vlostin will then win it and then boom. Right, they're off. And it was like, ah, oh, that's the game yeah. that they wanted to. So, so often everyone will be talking about contest and clearance. Like, you know, you've got to win contested possession and clearance. You've got to be hard and tough and all this sort of stuff. And, and Dimmer's like, no, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> We've actually got speed. Yeah. Let's play the speed yeah. game and let's actually change the way that we actually want to play. So in the end, what you're saying is your numbers are matching up with the coach saying, let's coach to what we're, our strengths are. Yeah, which spot on. Which will never change. Yeah, no, spot yeah. on. Maximising his list and he yeah. did it probably better than anyone else. Uh, super. Really appreciate you coming yeah. in. So every uh, every Tuesday night on SEN, yep. you, you heard any, anywhere else? Yeah, or? and then uh, Pure Footy with David King on uh, on a Wednesday uh, on the Herald Sun website. Super. So, uh, uh, love what you do uh, and really appreciate yeah, you coming thank in. you. No, no worries, Cheers. guys. Pleasure. Right. Thanks for having us. Swanee a rap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.